0: Welcome to Gateway Church's podcast. Wherever you're tuning in from, we hope you're encouraged by today's message. All right, so we're finishing our Passover to Pentecost, 50 Days That Changed the World series. We started on Passover uh, 50 days ago, May 23rd is Pentecost. So this is Pentecost weekend, 50 days later. So we're going to talk today, the title of the message is Pentecost. I started with the title of the message on Easter was Passover. Now we're going to talk about Pentecost. Now I want to um, share with you something about this word that maybe you feel as well. The word Pentecost um, scared me for years, the reason it scared me is because it's close to another word. It sounds like Pentecostal. <laughs> and for me, growing up, that was a scary word. Anybody here relate to that? I knew some Pentecostals. Uh, my, um, I had... Now, let me say it this way, and then I'll explain. I had an ain't prudy. Now, the part of the country where I grew up, East Texas, we called aunts aunts, A-N-T-S, aunts. I had aunts and uncles. I didn't have aunts and uncles, I had aunts and uncles, but ain't prudy was called ain't prudy. Not Aunt Prudy, I don't know, I think it's because when I'd see her, come give Aunt Prudy a hug, you know, that's just, that was Aunt Prudy, my my sister's name, of course my wife's name is Debbie, my sister's name is also Debbie, Uh, and Aunt Prudy called her (laughs) Debrie. I don't don't know to this day why, but Debrie, come Debrie, come give Aunt Prudy a hug. So we would go visit now she was a great aunt, so she's my father's aunt, Aunt Prudy, we'd go visit Aunt Prudy and Uncle Smokey. <laughs> and we still don't know, I asked my father for his service, why, why was he named Smokey or what was his real name? He said, I don't, I don't know what his real name was. I just always knew him as Uncle Smokey. And, um, and I thought their house was the coolest house in the world because they had an outhouse. I remember the day they got a toilet. My father helped them install the toilet in the house. And I was very disappointed that uh, they were going to have a toilet in the house. So I went one weekend to spend the weekend with Aunt Prudy and Uncle Smokey. And so I spent the whole weekend. So Sunday morning, we went to church. Well, I was raised Baptist. So we went to Baptist church. There wasn't a lot of talking going on in Baptist churches. And... But ain't Prudy and Uncle Smokey were Pentecostals. That's my first time never see a Pentecostal church. It scared me to death. <laughs> they were completely normal until the music started. <laughs> it seemed exactly the same. People walking up talking, normal people, um, speaking in normal voices. When the music started, these adults went crazy. I mean crazy. They started shouting. They started running around the sanctuary. There was one guy that would run around during the pastor's messages every now and then. Every now and then the pastor would say something and of course, everybody talked back to the pastor too. They all talked back to him. Uh, One time he said a good and they said something like, shoot another one in that hole, pastor. (laughs) I concluded that that meant amen. (laughs) But then this one guy, he would just, whoo, like that, and just run around the sanctuary. Uh, they spoke in tongues, loudly. I mean, loudly. It was not a private little, you know, under their breath thing. And they were shouting, and this one guy was just, he was speaking tongues every direction. And I was, he was right in front of me. And so he would turn and and yell at me in tongues. And I was eight years old. And I knew one thing I do not want to be a Pentecostal when I grow up. And when they said amen, they all went back to normal. That was a nice message, Pastor. And of course, the pastor spat and yelled and wiped with a handkerchief through the message. And it's just, that was my impression of Pentecostal. I'm not saying anything negative about a Pentecostal denomination or Pentecostal church. I'm really not trying to, I'm just trying to tell you what happened when I was eight. So when you read in the Bible the word Pentecost, you might associate it with something that makes you afraid or makes you think you've got to be a little, act a little weird in church. And unfortunately then you might associate that with the person of the Holy Spirit. And you might think, I don't mind at all. Matter of fact, I'm glad I invited Jesus into my life. But I don't really want to invite a person who would make me lose my mind. Now I'm just saying what you might think. Again, I'm not trying to be negative about something. Are y'all following me? So I'm, we're gonna talk about Pentecost. So here's point number one is what is Pentecost? Well, let me give you the definition of the word Pentecost, but let me warn you, okay? This is a spoiler. Uh it's it's scary. Okay, it's 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 scary. So just You know, hold on, because it's scary, okay? The word Pentecost, from the Greek, it's a Greek word, means 50. Isn't isn't that scary? 50. Penta. From the Greek, a pentagram has how many sides? Five. Penta means five. Costi in the Greek means to the 10th power. Why would you ever be scared of the word 50? That's all it means. 50. That's all it means. It means 50. Pentecost was the celebration, the Jewish celebration of the giving of the law on Mount Sinai. It occurred 50 days after Passover uh, when they took the blood of the lamb, put it on the doorpost, and they were delivered from the death angel, and then they were delivered out of Egypt out of bondage. 50 days later, God descended on Mount Sinai and gave the law. But it was 50 days after Passover. But Pentecost was 50 days after the resurrection. Passover was on Saturday, it was Friday, when Jesus was crucified, then you had the Sabbath, then 50 days from the resurrection. So how did that change? I don't know if you've ever thought about that, but when you're a math guy, and you hear Jesus was on there 40 days, and then 10 days, and then Pentecost, you think, wait, there's something wrong with this math, because Pentecost is 50 days after Passover. Well, way back in Leviticus, God changed it. Leviticus 23, to the day they celebrate it. Verse 15, and you shall count for yourselves from the day after the Sabbath. From the day day that you brought the sheaf of the wave offering, seven Sabbaths shall be completed. Which, by the way, the Hebrew word means seven sevens. Count 50 days, to the day after the seventh Sabbath, then you shall offer a new grain offering to the Lord. So God knows that He wants the Holy Spirit to come 50 days after the resurrection, not after Passover. He knows He wants His Son on the earth 40 days, and He wants Him to wait. 10 days, so back in Leviticus, he says, listen, we're changing this. Even though the law came 50 days after Passover, I want you to now celebrate this. It's called the Feast of Weeks, seven weeks plus that day. I want you to celebrate the Feast of Weeks 50 days from the first Sabbath after the Passover." So the Passover is on Thursday or Tuesday or Wednesday or Friday like it was when Jesus was crucified. I don't want you to start the 50 days until the the day after the Sabbath. And then you count, because God knows his son is gonna rise on the day after the Sabbath. Isn't that incredible? (laughs) So he puts it all together and 50 days, that's why we have the phrase that we'll read in a moment, Acts 2, verse 1, that says, and when the day of Pentecost had fully come. In other words, when the day of 50 had fully come. Now, remember, this is this is the giving of the law. So you have to, it was the celebration of the giving of the law, but it's when the giving of the Spirit was. You have to see how wonderful God is in this. The giving of the law There was a sound from heaven, God wrote his law on tablets of stone, and 3,000 people died. The giving of the spirit, God wrote his law on tablets, there was a sound from heaven, God wrote his law on tablets of flesh, people's hearts, and 3,000 people were saved. It's showing the law brings death, the spirit brings life. So it comes. See what I'm saying? It's just, it's, it's, it's perfect how God works all this out. But I do understand if you start going to a church where they lift their hands and they talk about the Holy Spirit, I can understand that you don't want your friends to think you've gone crazy. And you also don't want your family to think that. I remember when uh, we started going to Shady Grove Church, which is our grand prairie campus now. Um, my mother, we had some discussions. My mother's in in heaven now. You know, I was thinking about that phrase, God rest her soul. Well, it's, it's not really true. She's dancing and having a good time. You know, I mean, it's, it's like me praying for her, God rest her soul. Actually, she's praying for me So, and having a great time. But I remember my mother got kind of concerned, and so she's talking to me, and she's saying, but why do you have to talk so much about the Holy Spirit? Why do you have to do this, and why do you have to do this? And, you know, uh, is it a Pentecostal church? You know, are you going to become a Pentecostal? And I said, well, Mom, if you, if you think about it, the, all the disciples, Peter, Paul, and all these, the 12 apostles, and James, and John, they... They would probably be more Pentecostal than Baptist. My mom, here's what she said, but John was a Baptist. <laughs> <laughs> the Bible says, John the Baptist. All right. So that's what Pentecost is. Here's, here's point number two what, what happened at Pentecost? What actually happened at Pentecost? Well, before I get you to Acts 2, I want to go back again and show you an analogy and show you something that happened in the Old Testament. Really not an analogy, but a fulfillment of something that happened. Before I get to that scripture, I want to show you another scripture. All right? And I want you to hold on to this scripture, and we will talk about it for a moment. Zephaniah 3.9 says, "For then, Now this for then refers to when the Messiah comes. For then, when the Messiah comes, I will restore to the peoples, just notice peoples is plural because the word here is nations. I'll restore to the nations a pure language that they all may call on the name of the Lord to serve him with one accord. Will will you remember the phrase one accord? Will you remember that? Hello? It's just two words. Remember the phrase, one accord. I'm gonna restore, when the Messiah comes, I'm gonna restore to the peoples, the nations, all the nations, a pure language so they can worship me and call on the Lord with one accord. So remember one accord, okay? Now, the other thing I want you to notice is a pure language, Every language in the world has curse words in it. Every language in the world has filthy words, dirty words in it. But he said, I'm gonna restore a pure language. So is he talking about the language of heaven? Because when we get to heaven, there aren't gonna be dirty words. No filthy speech in heaven. No impure, immoral words. But the big word I want you to see in this verse is restore. He didn't say, I'm going to give a pure language. He said, I'm gonna bring back. (laughs) I'm gonna restore a pure language so they can be in one accord to all the nations. Everyone follow me? So if he's going to bring it back, when did he take it away? Well, back in Genesis 11, there's a story about the Tower of Babel. The word Babel, by the way, means confusion. By the way, Babylon, the city, Babylon, means sown, planted in confusion. So go back to Genesis 11, and and let me just say something else. What what language did they speak before the Tower of Babel? And don't say Hebrew, because God didn't start the Jewish nation until Genesis 12, the next chapter, with Abraham. But they all spoke one language, and he's gonna bring back a pure language. Hmm. Genesis 11, verse one. Now the whole earth had one language. The whole earth had one language and one speech. And it came to pass as they journeyed from the east that they found a plain in the land of Shinar and they dwelt there. Then they said to one another, come let us make bricks and make them thoroughly. They had brick for stone, they had asphalt for mortar and they said, come let us build ourselves a city and a tower whose top, is in the heavens. Let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be scattered abroad over the face of the whole earth. But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the sons of men had built. And the Lord said, now we're gonna stop right there. We're gonna see what the Lord said, but I'd like to just hypotheses for a moment. About what the Lord said. I'd like to just imagine what the Lord said. So they're trying to build a tower to heaven. I, I would think that the Lord would have come down and said something like this. You, you, what y'all doing? You building a tower to heaven? How's, it, how's that working out for you? <laughs> y'all, y'all gonna build a tower that goes to heaven? Good luck. Go for it, because surely they couldn't do that. But I just want you to watch what the Lord said. Verse four, and they said, come let us build this tower to heaven. And then look at verse six. And the Lord said, indeed the people are one. Could we say in one accord? And they all have one language. And they can all understand each other, by the way. And this is what they begin to do, build this tower to heaven. Now watch what God says. Now nothing that they propose to do will be withheld from them. Now this is pretty amazing. They want to build a tower to heaven and God said, since they're in unity and they have this language, they could actually do what they're trying to do. Nothing they propose to do will be withheld from them if they have this language and they're in unity. Now, I can tell you're not ahead of me yet. In Acts chapter 2, they get a language that everybody can understand and they're all in one accord. Can I say it one more time? With this language, if they'll come together in unity, nothing that they propose to do will be withheld from them. If I can get my people in unity in one accord and using this pure language, nothing that they propose to do will be withheld from them. And in Zephaniah, he said, and I'm gonna, in the day of the Messiah, when the Messiah comes, I'm gonna restore. I'm gonna bring back the pure language that I took away. This is so much better than you think it is. (laughs) This is really incredible. Let me just ask you this, why do you think Satan fights this so much? I can tell you this, because when the first church got it, they turned the world upside down. (laughs) Nothing they proposed to be the hell of them, verse seven. Come, let us, all right, hold on just a moment. Let me key in on the word us. This reminds you of Genesis 1 26. Then God said, let us build man. Let us build, man. Remember, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. The only reason I want you to notice that is God the Holy Spirit's a part of this conversation. Now watch what God the Holy Spirit is a part of the conversation. Let us go down. Can you, tell, can you remind me what happened on the day of Pentecost? The Holy Spirit came down. So let us go down and confuse their language that they may not understand one another's speech. Do you remember on the day of Pentecost? They could understand, every one of them can understand, all from all these nations, and understand one another's speech. So the Lord scattered them, we're gonna see in a moment, Acts chapter two, that they all came together. Oh, this is so good, and y'all aren't, y'all ought to be acting like Pentecostals right now, (laughs) and shouting about this. Okay, this is, this is incredible. This is incredible. Shoot another one in that hole, pastor, all right. Come, let us go down there, confuse their language that they might not understand, so the Lord scattered them abroad from there over the face of the earth, and they ceased building the city. Now, remember I told you to remember the words, one accord, they were confused, they were scattered. Acts chapter two, when the day of Pentecost, verse one, had fully come, they were all with one accord. In one place. They were all with one accord and in one place in Genesis 11. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. It filled the whole house where you're sitting, verse six. And when this sound occurred, the multitude came together. I didn't have time to put it in there. Verse five, though, says that there were people from every nation on earth. You look it up for yourself. Verse five, They were people from every nation and they came together. Remember in Tower of Babel, they were scattered. And they came together and they were confused because they got confused <laughs> 2,000 years before Because everyone heard, you know what this word heard means? Understood. They understood them speak in his own language. They understood this. Pentecost is not just the blessed reversal of the giving of the law because the law brings death and the spirit brings life, but Pentecost is the blessed reversal of the Tower of Babel. When they, and here's why, let me tell you why. (laughs) At the Tower of Babel, they were all in unity and they all spoke one language. But they weren't redeemed by the blood of Jesus. And their hearts were wicked. And so their purposes were wicked. So God said, I'm gonna have to take this language away from them, and I'm gonna have to scatter them. But after my son comes and dies on the cross for their sins and redeems them, I'll be able to come and bring them back together and give this language back. See, you can't be in unity if you can't understand a person's language. How many of you have ever been speaking to a person in this country maybe that speaks a different language? Or you're in another country and the person speaks a different language and you just can't, you know? Well, I had this friend of mine that when we, every time we'd go to another country, he would, he would speak like they used to in country westerns, like they, we thought Native Americans spoke. Me, Jim, (laughs) you, and then they'd look at him like, I I don't understand, you know. So then he thought, well, if I say it louder, me, Jim. Well, he said, Jim, they can't can't understand you. There's no unity. I went to, uh, Deb and I were in Poland one time, and my interpreter didn't show up. So the worship pastor who spoke little English said, I'll interpret for you. So I would say something in English, and God gave the law, and he would say it in Polish. And then I would say, but the law was not meant to bring life, and he would say it in Polish. And then I'd keep going, and after about five minutes, my interpreter would go, oh, wait a moment, please. And then he would speak for about five minutes and then the whole church would go, oh. And then we had unity. But afterwards, I remember thinking, well, every time I said something in English, you were saying something in Polish so what were you say? So I would say something in English and then he would say, I don't know what he just said. And then I'd say something in English again and he would say, I still don't know what he said. So that's what happened in Pentecost. Here's, here's number three. Can I experience Pentecost? See, Pentecost happened 2,000 years ago, 50 days after Jesus, the resurrection, but we weren't there. And there's a real popular line of thinking in the body of Christ that it was a one-time event. And we none of us can experience it because we weren't there. Well, here's the problem. When we say it happened, 2,000 years ago, I'd like to use a different word. It was fulfilled 2,000 years ago. See, Passover was fulfilled on the day Jesus Christ. We don't have to still shed a lamb, the blood of a lamb for our sins because the lamb from heaven came. So Passover was fulfilled. But even though we weren't alive, when Jesus was alive and fulfilled Passover, we can still experience the fulfillment of Passover by just receiving Jesus into our lives. Right? So even though we weren't alive when the Holy Spirit fulfilled Pentecost, we can still receive the fulfillment of Pentecost by simply receiving the Holy Spirit into our lives. So the Holy Spirit comes, Peter gets up and he explains it. He said, listen, this is what was prophesied in the prophet Joel, in the last days, I'm gonna pour my spirit on everybody, all flesh. Your your young men are gonna see visions, your old men are gonna dream dreams. By the way, I still have visions. but I'm starting to dream more. But anyway, okay. But your, your young men shall prophesy, your young women shall prophesy. Everybody, I'm gonna pour my spirit on He said, this is what happened. And he said, what makes this possible is Jesus is the Messiah and he came and he died on the cross for your sins. And then this was their response, Acts chapter two, verse 37. Now, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. And they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said to them, and I want you to tell them, he tells them three things. Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus. So in other words, repent, believe in Jesus, get saved, turn to Jesus and then be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, for your sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. I want you, you need to get saved, you need to get baptized and you need to receive the gift of the Spirit. And Jesus called the gift the promise in Acts 1. And now I want you to notice, because see again, this popular line of thinking in the body of Christ is, well, that was for them, but it's not for us. Now watch what Peter says here. Verse 39, it's very important. For the promise is to you and to your children and to all who are afar off as many as the Lord our God will call. It's not just for you. It's for your children and your grandchildren and all who are far off. They can all receive the promise. They can all receive the Holy Spirit. Everybody can. Acts 8, they, go, they take the gospel to Samaria. I'm just gonna show you two passages in Acts and then we're done. Acts 8, but when they believed Philip, So that's when they got saved. They believed as he preached things concerning the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ. Both men and women were baptized. They believed and they got baptized. Now listen to me. This is Acts 8. This is years after Acts 2. So that means that they don't need to do anything else, right? Not according to what the apostles knew. Verse 14, now when the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them, who when they had come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. Well, I thought they were already saved. They were. I thought they'd already been baptized. They had. So why would the apostles say, now go pray for them to receive the Holy Spirit if they didn't need to, if this wasn't a third step that we need to do? For as yet, it explains, he had fallen upon none of them. They'd only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. And then one other passage, Acts 19, and verse 1. It happened while Apollos was at Corinth that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus. By the way, Pentecost was in 30 A.D., Acts 19 is 54 AD, 24 years later, 24 years after Pentecost, and finding some disciples, this is what Paul said. He said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Well, it's it's 24 years after Pentecost. Now... You can read, apparently they went to the church I went to growing up. They said, We haven't even heard there was a Holy Spirit. Because <laughs> I didn't hear much about the Holy Spirit. Now now he's gonna check out their salvation. So he said, and then what were you baptized? They said into John's baptism. Now he's gonna lead them to Christ. Then Paul said, John indeed baptized with baptism of repentance, saying to people they should believe on him who would come after him, and that is Jesus Christ. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Okay, they believed and they're baptized. Isn't that all you need? You would think the preeminent apostle of the New Testament would know if there's not a third step, he would know about it. Watch the next verse. And when, verse six, that when Paul had laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. 24 years after Pentecost. 24 years later. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? The old King James says it this way, have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? But because of the crazy stuff, many of us, kind of stiff arm, the Holy Spirit, who's the person Jesus said, I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I'm going to send someone to you who will lead you into all truth, who will tell you things to come, who will guide you, who will remind you of everything I said, who will walk beside you, which is what the Greek word for, for Holy Spirit means, who'll walk beside you, a comforter, a Paracletos, one who'll walk, come along beside you and walk. And yet we don't really want anything to do with him because we've seen some weird things. Have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? A friend of mine didn't become a friend until later in his life simply because I'd never met him. But we had him here to speak one time, but I knew of him for many, many years. His name was Peter Lord. He did a great, a teaching that went around the world and he wrote a book on it called Turkeys and Eagles. And his whole thing was when God made you an eagle, why would you walk like a turkey? He did a lot of things on quiet times with God and spending time with God and how to have a devotional and things like that. He went to be with the Lord at 91 years old two months ago. He came here just a few years ago and asked me to write an endorsement for one of his books. And that just, that blew me away because here's one of my champions in the faith. Pastored a Baptist church his whole life. Went to Baptist schools. One day he's reading, having his quiet time. He comes across Acts 19. Have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? And the Lord said to him, Peter, have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? And when he tells the story, it's funny because he said, you know, it's just kind of crazy that we give God a theological answer. Like, we know more theology than him. He said, well, Lord, you see, God is a triune God. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So when I received Jesus, I received the Holy Spirit. He said, the Holy Spirit lives. He came to live in me when I received Jesus. So he lives in my house. And he said, the Lord said to him, Well, your mother-in-law came to live with you 18 months ago. Have you received her? (laughs) And he said, I thought, nope. (laughs) And he said, you see, Peter, that's the way a lot of my children are. Yes, the Holy Spirit lives in you once you get saved. but a lot of my children have never received the Holy Spirit. They've never said, Holy Spirit, I'm yours. Do anything with me you want. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes for a moment. And my burden today is not for hundreds or even thousands of people to receive the Holy Spirit. My burden is for everyone to receive the Holy Spirit. (laughs) My burden is for everyone at every campus, at every gateway gathering, online, on television. My burden is for millions of people around the world. Can you imagine if we fully received the person, the fruit, the power, and the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And we came together in unity. Can you imagine what the body of Christ could do? So I'm asking every person to receive the Holy Spirit. Every person in every campus, watching online, watching on television, every gateway group, every gateway gathering. I'm asking you right now to receive the Holy Spirit, to open your heart to him, to not be afraid of him because you might have seen the excesses of a few. So I want to lead you in a prayer and I'm not even asking you to pray the prayer out loud. I'm just asking you to pray it in your heart. And all we're going to do is just ask Jesus to fill us with the Holy Spirit and to receive the Holy Spirit. So, just in your heart, in your heart, will you just say this to him? And if you want to, if you want to just turn your palms upward, I'm not talking about put your hands above your head, I'm talking about literally just turn your palms upward in your lap in a receiving motion. And will you just pray this in your heart? Would you just pray, dear Jesus, just in your heart, I ask you to baptize me today. That word just means immerse, by the way. I ask you to baptize me today with the Holy Spirit. And Holy Spirit I ask you to forgive me for having preconceived thoughts and fears about you. And by an act of my will, will you just tell them that? By an act of my will and in faith, I receive you today. I receive the Holy Spirit fully in my life. Now let me pray for you. Lord, I want to tell you, thank you, thank you, thank you that you did not leave us as orphans, that you sent one like yourself, one who leads us, one who guides us, one who loves us, one who protects us, one who warns us, one who blesses us Lord we want to tell you thank you for the sending for sending the promise of the father the holy spirit and we receive the holy spirit today and holy spirit we tell you thank you for filling us and walking beside us from this day forward in Jesus name amen Amen and amen. Thanks for joining us today. If you'd like to connect with us, text CONNECT to 71010 or visit gatewaypeople.com. We hope you have a great week.